This is a journey into sound. This is a journey into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value. Welcome into Inside the Bullseye. It's still a somber Pippin Ain't Easy radio network. I'm Josh Hill, editor of Pippin Ain't Easy, and I'm joined once again by Sean O'Connor of Sixers Sense. We're talking Bulls and Sixers, and Sean... Before we get going here, how do you feel about this Bulls Sixers series after Game One? Well, I think the series is a bit of a different complexion. I'm sure you'd agree with that statement. Um, obviously, because of Derek Rose's injury, had Rose not been injured, I would have been a lot more pessimistic about the Sixers' chances to really do anything. Now, that's how well the Bulls played in comparison to the Sixers, I think, and how well they how he's how he could have played even better. But now that Rose is injured, the series takes on a different complexion. And I'm still not exactly sure that the Sixers really have a chance to win the series. Um, but obviously it makes it a lot less watchable. Um, and it gives them a little bit more of a chance, I guess, to win overall. So um, that would be my response to how do I feel right now. Um, obviously you would feel a lot different. I think you might be crying in the background. So I guess I'm feeling better than you are. <laughs> well, for obvious reasons, of course. But let's get right into it here. The turd and the punch bowl for Bulls fans. Derrick Rose tears his ACL with 120 to go left in Game 1. The only way the injury could have been more devastatingly confusing is if he had torn it while he was walking off of the court. It happened literally at the last second. And we, we, we both said before the series started on the show for Game 1 that the only way that this series could really change is if Derrick Rose gets injured, but we both said it, you know, half-heartedly. Now, we, we have both basically predicted the future because I think we need to go out and buy lottery tickets after this because nobody could have foreseen Derrick Rose getting injured as severely as he did. But now that the unthinkable has happened, from a Sixers standpoint, you kind of touched on this in the intro, how do you feel that this series is different moving forward for the Sixers? Do they still have a chance to win? Or is it still the Bulls are a better team than the Sixers, even without Derrick Rose? Well, that last statement you made pretty much sums it up. They are still a better team, so I still expect the Bulls to win the series. Um, I do think it becomes more of a challenge for them, though. Uh, I did a little bit of research, I guess, in between games and saw that hey, the Bulls really are still better than the Sixers. And they don't drop off as dramatically as I thought they would have without Derrick Rose. Um, so I still trust that the Bulls are going to end up winning the series in the end, but obviously you don't know how they're going to perform without them, whether there's going to be some emotional damages or maybe the Sixers can take advantage of the matchup with C.J. Watson. That type of thing you still don't know. Um, I still think the Bulls are going to beat the Sixers, but I mean, there, there's definitely a chance now, whereas before it was, if Tyler Curtis is healthy, the Sixers have no shot to win the series, and I don't think anybody would question that. Um, I mean, Game 1 pretty much illustrated it, where the Bulls got out to a 20-point lead, and they were executing falsely against a defense that's supposedly very good. Um, and I think they, if they even hit more shots, which they didn't hit all their shots. They could have been up by 30, and 
maybe a situation could have been avoided because they're left by so much. Um, regardless, uh, I still think, as I've said multiple times, the Bulls are going to win. But it does give the Sixers more of a chance to win the series as opposed to pretty much having no chance beforehand. Right, because the Bulls were 18-9 and nine without Derrick Rose this season. But you have to take into account now that that that, that those that was during a time when the Bulls knew that Derrick Rose was coming back and that he was just injured temporarily. Now you have to think about this, the how what this psychologically does to the Bulls because they know Derrick Rose is not coming back. So that may be a way that the Sixers can take a couple more games from this series because we said that it would go about five games, maybe six, but this series could very well go seven games now. Don't you agree? Uh, yes, especially since um, I think the one thing that, that, uh, that maybe you don't know yet, um, Evan Turner is going to be starting game two. And with uh, a lot of changes from Derek Rose to CJ Watson, that frees up Drew Holiday to not have to cover Derek Rose and the sick hit on Rip Hamilton. Now, I think the key to game one, the way that uh, the Bulls got out to such a lead early on, was because of Rip Hamilton. Um, Six really couldn't do anything to stop the, the shooting off the curls that he's such. A good player. He's so, he's so good at doing that. Um, Jody Meeks, not Dre Iguodala. Uh, Iguodala's a good defender, but that's the one thing he's not very good at doing is chasing people through screens. And Jody Meeks really didn't stand a chance against someone as good as Hamilton. Drew Holiday, meanwhile, is actually very good at chasing people through screens. We saw him do it against uh, Ray Allen earlier this year. So the matchup differences, I think, provide more of a chance for the Sixers than anything. Um, especially with Turner starting. And Turner does have the ability to defend a guy like C.J. Watson. Whereas putting him on Rose for, say, 30 minutes a game is essentially a death sentence for us. Um, so that, it opens up the possibility for that happening, too. And I think that um, is a big advantage that Sixers can take advantage of. However, um, there's also the fact that Watson and Lucas, uh, the two-point guards that are going to use now, I, I think they played relatively well during Rose's uh, absences. So... I guess I think I should ask you right here. Um, how well do you think they'll play? Um, obviously, that's going to set first, but do you think they'll play well in this playoff environment when neither of them has really had um, this type of pressure put on them in the playoffs? I, that, that's one of the great questions I guess we have to ask ourselves moving forward. I can see it working out right now in this first series. Not to say that the Sixers you know, are an easy team to beat, but it's definitely not a situation where they lost Derrick Rose in a high-pressure situation like the Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat, or even the second round against maybe the Hawks. How well C.J. Watson and uh, John Lucas play, I think that they can... This is the time right now for them to really get their footing in the playoffs because moving forward from here, it's not going to get any easier. And I think the Sixers really have seen an opening here, and they're going to give the Bulls their best stuff now. Not that they weren't going to do that before, but... They have, well, an opening now to really beat the Bulls. It's not unbelievable and not, you know, completely impossible to do. So C.J. Watson and John Lucas really need to step it up in this series. I think they can do it. We've seen them both do it, especially C.J. Watson, because he leads the bench mob, and every time he comes in to lead Chicago, he does a good job. But then again, that was all when Derrick Rose was going to come back, and the Bulls knew that there was that safety net underneath them. They don't have that safety net now, so I'm really kind of interested in seeing where this goes in terms of the point guard situation for Chicago, because it definitely looks like it's a nice matchup for the Sixers. Right. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Now, the one thing that's actually, I, I did some research 
stats.com uh, about it was that the Bulls actually slowed down when Derek Rose is in the game, or when, it, when he isn't uh, playing. Um, they average slightly uh, less than uh, two fewer possessions per game without Rose in the lineup, which means that they usually they don't either run the offense as quickly or they have fewer fast break opportunities. Um, that actually is one area where that'll help them because the Sixers struggle to get easy baskets, and playing a slower game usually will mean fewer fast break opportunities for the opponents. And that's a place where the Sixers normally have to rely on some offense in order to actually score against other teams. They don't run a fast pace themselves, but when they get out fast breaks, they're actually fairly efficient. I think they're in the top 10 in fast break scoring despite being bottom 10 in pace. So one thing that Watson and uh, Blue just bring to the table is that they're not as explosive as Hackers and they're not as good in the open court as them. So the Bulls will slow the game down, which will inevitably hurt the Sixers. So as much as a matchup would favor the Sixers in theory because of their size, because oh, there's probably a better point on the both moment, it allows us to start Evan Turner. There's also that part where, hey, your defense might actually improve without them, even though from what I've determined, Watson really isn't that good of a defender and Lucas is really undersized. Um, so there's advantages. Well, I won't really say an advantage in your case because obviously you lost Derek Rose. He's a top five, top ten NBA player, top three NBA player in some people's uh, opinion. But you do have some things that will help you in this series without him, and one of those is actually slowing you down. Um, I do think the Sixers will end up obviously benefiting more, but that's one thing that could eventually help you guys win the series is that you do play a solar game without Derek Rose. And I don't know if you did that before or not, but, um, but that's likely what's going to happen, which means the games are going to become, uh, in the words of a uh, famous wrestling announcer, I'd say, slobber knockers. Um, they're going to be very slow, jagged out games. They might not be aesthetically pleasing, um, but they'll likely um, be good for the Bulls. Now, sticking with Derek Rose here a little bit longer, the initial reaction from Bulls fans was that Tom Thibodeau should not have had Derrick Rose in that late in the game that they were winning by that much. I don't necessarily think that that's a correct line of thinking. I can see why people are thinking that because, you know, Thibodeau this entire season has had a little bit of a problem in terms of keeping his starters on the bench when they shouldn't be in the game. You can ask Luol Deng about that. I think he's averaging like 38 minutes a game or something like that. But from a Sixers standpoint... How do you see this? I mean, should, do you think Tom Thibodeau should have had Derrick Rose in late in that game, or is it really not that big of an issue and people are just trying to look for something to blame this ACL injury on? Well, I'm not going to blame Thibodeau for the injury because things like that just happen. There's nothing really a coach can do about it. You can't really foresee it either, especially when it's like you landed on somebody's ankle or twisted his foot because there's pushing and shoving, that type of thing. Well, it was a freak injury. So I don't think you could personally, I, I don't, I'm not personally going to blame Thibodeau for the injury. However, I did feel like he shouldn't have been in the game at that point. Uh, they were up, I think, by, I want to say it was about 18 or three minutes left. And at that point, he was still in the game. And even though the six was well on the run, that uh, Thibodeau and I guess, I think it was Red Hamilton were excited. Those two were exciting. The, uh, the Bulls were still up by 18 at that point. They kept them in bed, even. Um, I know there's something to trying to send a message to the opposing team that they're not going to get any easy points, they're not going to make it a close game at the end. Um, but when it was, I think, an 18-point game with three minutes going, he was in the game, I felt he should have been out to that point. 
Now, at the time when it was 12, it's a little bit closer, and the Sixers had scored six straight. So I can understand it being at that point. I think he should have been taken out earlier and then put back in later in case. Yeah. Um, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he stayed in through the whole time. That I wouldn't agree with. Uh, I don't think you could blame him, but I don't necessarily agree with the keeping of the game. Uh, and obviously it didn't help matters. Um, I think more might have to do with uh, possibly rushing back from previous injuries and not being able to get enough time to recover from those injuries, which is both a medical issue for the both team, doc, uh, doctors for the team, as well as the schedule that the NBA put out, which I think you alluded to when it first today, that the in that schedule likely had more to do with this than anything Tom Tipio could or could not do. Now, one last thing with Derrick Rose here. You're a Sixers writer, but we saw the shockwaves of Rose's injury ripple across the NBA. And even though he's the opponent to you in this series, and it is a benefit to you that he's out, nobody's happy to see him out. So from you, or your standpoint, this is clearly goes beyond winning and losing. How sad are you to see Derrick Rose suffer this kind of an injury, even though he's the opponent for this series? Well, I think it's going to be different. Uh, or a response that would be different for me than, say, in Miami, Sam, where we really didn't have a chance of winning the series either way, I don't think, uh, versus Miami, Sam, where it's, well, we had, a, we had to go through them, now we don't have to go through them. Uh, obviously, seeing a guy that's only in his lower to mid-20s suffering such a debilitating injury that can take away his explosiveness, it may drop us of Derek Rose being Derek Rose long-term. Um, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. And it just made me flash back to some of the crazy plays he made earlier this year against us. Um, there was this one, I, it was a three-pointer uh, in Philadelphia, it was the second game, where it was beating the shot clock, at the, or beating the clock at the end of the third quarter. And he jumped up in the air, was able to sidestep Thaddeus Young, or like dodge a ball in the air, and put up a shot while actually having perfect shooting for himself and knock it down. Like, that's the type of athletic to play that no one could, like, I've never really seen before. And I'm sure Bulls fans have seen him on my app because I don't watch every Bulls game. But those types of plays, I'm, like, you wonder will you ever really see that again. Um, and you feel so bad for the guy because he's not a bad guy. He's not someone that's earned public, but he's, like, and, uh, he's so humble just going around. But he genuinely seems like a nice guy. And to have that happen still in a game where they were winning and he was just trying to make sure that nothing happened at the end and take it away from him. Um, and it maybe could have been avoided, but you don't know who would be the person that would make it avoidable. And, I mean, your heart just goes out for the guy and you just wonder why did it have to happen. And in a Sixers uh, blogger, a Sixers fan, uh, I mean, if I wanted to go to game three, and I was thinking about going to either game three or game four, like, you don't get to see that at the post anymore. <laughs> so, from that experience, too, it's like, well, we can't watch him play, even though he's going to beat us, and he might not be able to do what he did before, and he's losing five years of his career. I mean, the heart just goes out to the guy. Um, there's, I don't think there's any more I can say about that, other than, like, you wish it would not happen. I think a lot of Bulls fans are going to share that sentiment with you as well. But on to the Sixers, because that's what you do best. The Bulls, they actually won game one. Everybody is completely washing over that fact for obvious reasons. But the Bulls, they do have a 1-0 lead in this series. What did the Sixers do wrong in game one to allow the Bulls to jump out to that lead that they got? 
Well, I think the key, as I alluded to earlier, was really Rick Hamilton's test start. Uh, but I generally, in my game preview, I do things to watch for. Uh, and that is, and I like to look at them in the end to see, like, what those things are and whether they impact the game. And the first thing I put was get off to a fast start. Um, one of the things that the Sixers usually specialize in is not getting off to a fast start and then having their bench save them later. But the problem is that the Bulls bench is just as good, if not better, than the Sixers bench. I, I, I'd argue it's better. Um, so I didn't think we could really make up that deficit if we got behind early. And Rick Hamilton's early scoring was really the reason why the Bulls got ahead so quickly. Um, he had 11 points, I think, in the first quarter, or 9 points in the first quarter, 11 in the first half, made his first four or five shots, um, all of which were probably avoidable if we had someone that could actually defend them coming off the screens. Um, so I think the fast start was maybe the key to the game. Um, because in the second half, the Sixers and Bulls pretty much played even. Um, may not seem like it because there's a whole bunch of up and downs where it's really Bulls taking the lead and the Sixers trying to call it back. But really, the Bulls only got to go to the Sixers by one point in the second half. It was just the start of the first quarter, and I think a stretch in the second, where our starters really couldn't get it done against the Bulls starters. Um, and that, I think, proved to be the difference more than anything, uh, led by Rick Hamilton scoring, which I don't think I count on as much as being a factor as it ended up being. Because Let's face it, Rick hasn't really played that well this year. And I figured that they would sell early to someone like Thriller or Corver if he wasn't playing well. And I didn't expect him to play as well today. So the finish start by Rick Hamilton, um, compared to the fact that we had no one that could really cover him that was actually defending him, um, I think was a key to the victory. Uh, obviously, there are going to be other things, such as Dead Boys and Statlight, which is very impressive. Um, Drew Holiday struggles against him. Joe Kim Bella, who was everywhere. Uh, but I think the key difference, one that we weren't expecting, the one that we weren't necessarily expecting, was with Hamilton coming out to play um, and starting off so strong early. Uh, if we could stop that game too, which I think we had a better chance, which I mentioned earlier, putting Drew Holiday on him defensively, which Drew admitted to me, I'm not exactly sure why he did that. Um, that maybe we won't get off to such a full start, maybe it'll be more competitive game the round. All right, so the official Game 2 prediction, what do you have to watch for, and who do you have winning and why? Well, I, I think the biggest key for, I guess, each team, um, for the Sixers, it's stopping the Bulls on the offensive glass, and for the Bulls, it's getting on the offensive glass. Because without their growth, they're not as good of a shooting team, because Bruce creates so many opportunities, not just for himself, but for others, and their field goal the goes down. However, their offensive rebounding goes up because there are more misses available, and the Bulls also, you guys have a lot of good offensive rebounding. Um, the Sixers, in their two early games uh, during the regular season, were actually very good keeping them off the offensive class, and I think that's why they were uh, as competitive as they were. Um, the game on Sunday, or the game on Saturday, as well as the third regular season game, they were as effective at keeping them off the boards. Um, if they can limit the Bulls to, I'd say, eight or fewer offensive rebounds, in a game when they're not going to have a bit of offense, I think that would really help the Sixers win the game. Whereas if the Bulls can take advantage of getting offensive rebounds, then they can really make the Sixers pay. Um, and because of the lineup that we're going to put in there, I have a feeling that we're not going to be able to stop that as much as we'd like. Um, so that would be my one thing to watch for. And 
I'll give a prediction now instead of having to go to a separate question. I think the Bulls are going to pull it out. Now, I do think they were previously. Because I guess it's a little weird now that more of a virtue, I think they're going to pull it out. But I think the advantage that they have on the offensive rebounding, as well as how badly they outperformed the Sixers for the most part in game one, um, I think it's just going to end up being a win. Now, it's not going to be a 20-point like blowout type of win, but I have a feeling it's going to be a, I don't know, 88-84 type victory where um, close all the way that the Bulls are able to take advantage constantly getting their offensive rebounds. Led by Bell, led by Taj Gibson, the reason whoever else is in there. Um, I just think it's going to be a slow pace game, um, lots of missed shots, lots of defense, lots of bad offense. I think the fact that the Bulls will actually be able to get offensive rebounds and the Sixers won't, and they won't be able to stop the Bulls. I think that's going to be what's going to happen. I think it's going to be an 80 84 Bulls victory. And it's a series of that is coming back here. Um, however, I think once they come back here, it'll be a different story. So, stay tuned for that. We'll have to definitely stay tuned indeed. And stay tuned right here to Pippin and Easy because before every game or after every game, however you want to look at it, Sean and myself will be breaking down the Bulls and the Sixers until one of these two teams advances to the next round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. He's Sean O'Connor from SixersSense.com. Check it out if you want to get all the best info on the Philadelphia Sixers because that's who the Bulls are going to be playing for the majority of this next coming weeks here. Game 2, of course, is Tuesday, 7 p.m. Chicago time on TNT. Be looking for that. First game without Derrick Rose that the Bulls are going to have to go for here. Maybe the Sixers can pull it out. We'll have to see, though. He's Sean O'Connor, SixersSense.com. I'm Josh Hill, Pippin' it easy. He stepped into the bullseye for the Philadelphia Sixers, and we'll see you after Game 2 on Pippin' and Easy Radio Network. Thank you.